Oh, come on, let's give God a great hand clap of praise in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Come on, is he worthy of your best praise? Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today, to be in the presence of God with God's people. And I like what one preacher said this week. Well, several things a preacher said this weekend at men's conference. He said he'd step to the pulpit and he'd ask the church two questions. Amen. Has God been good to anybody? Let me ask that again. Has God been good to anybody? And then he would follow it up with this question. Who has God been the best to? The Bible says those that have been forgiven much, the same love much. Those that God has been favoring and blessing. I can't help but let my praise and my hallelujah come out of my mouth. Somebody clap your hands and give God some praise. If he's been good to you, give him a good praise. But if he's been better than good, give him the best praise you can. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. So I'm excited to be in the presence of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, the book of Isaiah chapter 59 and beginning of verse 16. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school students to their classrooms. Amen. Everybody say, God bless our Sunday school kids. And everybody say, God bless our Sunday school teachers. Amen. We just want our kids and our teachers to know we love and we appreciate them. Amen. They... Praise God. It's my job to get up and to bring you the Word of God. But simultaneously to me bringing you the Word of God, we have teachers in the back giving the Word of God to the next generation. And that's as much ministry as any sermon I'll ever preach. Amen. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse number 16. I've been feeling in my spirit uh, this, this last week, felt it confirmed, and I feel like God spoke this directly to my heart, pulled this verse into my heart on Tuesday afternoon, and I just couldn't get away from it. And so I believe that God's going to use this to minister to us, and uh, I believe it's just going to set the stage for where God's wanting to take us. Amen. Isaiah chapter 59 in verse 16, and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. God's always looking for other people to get involved. Listen, let me just preach before I preach. God can do every, anything, amen, we believe that, without God, nothing, with, with God, nothing shall be impossible, amen, everything is possible with God. God can do anything, but God will not do everything. God could have turned stones into bread. We know that because the devil tempted him with it in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4. Same story, different example. Amen. And uh, he could have done that when there was 5,000 in the wilderness. There's a lot of rocks in the wilderness. He could have fed 5,000 could have taken up baskets left over. Everybody that picked up a rock could have got a sandwich. 
but he was looking to find out if there's somebody else that wants to get involved. He said, I looked to see if there was anybody that was wanting to get involved. He said, but when I saw that there was no intercessor, no mediator, nobody in the middle, no middleman, the Bible says, therefore, his own arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on the righteousness as a breastplate. You're going to notice that this sounds a little familiar. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, talking about war. He put on the righteousness as a, blessed, a breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with the zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. To the islands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord. From the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from the transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. Amen. God looked around for somebody that wanted to get involved. This is Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, he couldn't find anybody else. So as a prophecy of Jesus Christ being our perfect sacrifice, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, as the Bible declares. His own arm brought salvation. And God said when there was nobody else to bring salvation, God started getting ready for battle. But there's still a question that God's going to ask Amen. In this generation, Ephesians chapter 6 reminds us that we are to put on the whole armor of God. Hallelujah. This scripture prophesies God put on his own armor. But Ephesians chapter 6 lets us know that we are to put on the armor as well. God looked in the Old Testament for somebody else that wanted to get involved and found none. But I believe that with a New Testament church full of the Spirit of God, he's got good company in his army today. And the Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against that enemy. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Rally, don't retreat. Rally, don't don't retreat. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray all across this building, church. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's lift up our voices. I believe God's going to help us. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is already here, already working. God's already got his war clothes on. And God is going to help each and every individual under the sound of my voice here this afternoon. God is going to bless God is going to help. Hallelujah. God's spirit is going to move. And God is going to help us, uh, amen, to rally. God is going to help us uh, to unify. God is going to help us uh, to be encouraged in the spirit of the Lord. Somebody clap your hands and give God great praise. Praise God. Amen. If you help me preach, you may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Rally. Don't retreat. Many of Isaiah's words dealt with 
idolatry and sin that had deeply pervaded the fabric of society in Israel. From the heights of devotion and blessing, the people had fallen prey to pride and had abandoned their love for God. They had fractured and often fought civil wars between themselves, and they had sought protection from other nations invading and oppressing them. Many prophets of God would warn of the coming wrath, but they were drowned out by other false prophets who promised victory and ease to the kings and the nobles. God's ordained messengers instead were ignored, ridiculed, beaten, and even killed for their steadfast devotion to God. Isaiah himself had a longer period of active prophecy than many. He served four kings of Judah over several decades. His, his was a fiery message of coming doom if the people did not turn from their wicked ways and return to the God that saved them and had given the land that they now occupy. He pronounced judgments upon Israel as well as the neighboring nations for their apostasy and their dissension. Amen. This is why the Bible declares when the enemy comes in like a flood. The question is often why does the enemy come in like a flood? The answer is quite simple. You find it all the way through your Bible. You read it over and over and over again. That when the people of God re reject their God-given responsibility to be God's people, the enemy is given an open door into the nations. When the people of God live in rebellion and live in sin and resist God, turning themselves into idol worship and turning themselves away from the one true living God, it opens the door wide open for the enemy and the enemies of God's people to come in like a flood. There's so many people that today, and I'm going to preach about it, I'm just setting the foundation here today. So many people that have wondered, why is it that it seems as if the enemy is coming into my life in an overwhelming fashion? Amen. Could I present to you today that it's often a result of a life that is not submitted to God. This is why the Bible declares, amen, that we are to submit ourselves therefore to God to resist the devil and he will flee. There's people resisting the devil, but the devil's not going anywhere because currently the individual is so busy hanging out with the devil, the devil's not going anywhere. Because there is a missing element to deliverance, and that is submitting yourself to God. You cannot get deliverance from the adversary. You cannot get deliverance from the flood of the enemy until we learn to submit ourselves unto God. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach that for a little while. It's not in my notes, but I might as well. Submission is not, amen, an enemy. Submission is your greatest weapon. Submission is a cuss word in our society that says, well, I don't want to listen to nobody. I don't want to do anything anybody tells me. But I want to tell you, if you reject submission, you are great. You are wasting your greatest weapon against the adversary. 
You can quote the word, quote the word, quote the word, and say, I got the sword of the Spirit. But that sword, if you are not submitted to that word, becomes, amen, a dull weapon in the hand of the individual. But when you can submit to that word, you can look at the adversary in the midst of temptation and say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. When you live a life of submission to God's word, when you live a life of submission to God, the devil cannot find a place. This is where the devil tried in every avenue. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Uh, amen. I want to tell you, those are the three elements in which Adam and Eve were tempted with. And they missed out by not submitting to God and submitting to God's word. Those are the three areas in which Jesus was tempted. But yet Jesus was, amen, a representation of perfect submission and the devil could not the Bible says could not find any place in him Amen. so why the enemy comes in like a flood we often have to look and realize it comes down to us not submitting to God we open the doorway for the adversary to come in the phrase when the enemy comes in like a flood in this context was not an exaggeration of the times of Isaiah Amen. Israel's military had dwindled to a fraction of its former strength because of their lack of submission, their disobedience to God. Civil wars, wars against their own brethren had come up. Amen. And it decimated the populace. The northern tribes had already been taken captive by the Assyrians. All the surrounding nations had their eyes on fragile Judah, the stronghold that was left of Jerusalem. Amen. God's favor, it seemed, had left the people. Amen. Many of the kings would not turn back to God for help. They continued down the path of doing it all by themselves. And every time God sent a preacher to come and tell them, amen, that you got to go back to God, they would throw that man in prison or they would eliminate him altogether. So the enemy came in like a flood. There are times and there have been times where the enemy comes in to our lives in a small group. He comes in for a small skirmish. We see this when Saul was king. He was constantly dealing with the little battles against Moab, Ammon, Edom, so on and so forth. But Saul was not in a little battle with the Philistines. Saul was in a war. I'm going to talk to you today here. <laughs> Amen. It was conquer or be conquered. The enemy did not show up in small numbers for a small skirmish. They showed up like an overwhelming flood. This scripture, the enemy coming in like a flood, had been shown time and time and time again. The most famous example of this was at the Valley of Elah. It was there that the Philistines not only outnumbered Israel, they outgunned them as well. The Philistines were blocking Israel's southwestern border from expanding, and they were poised to invade Israel. They weren't looking to just stop expansion. They were looking to take territory. 
Little skirmishes and little battles are like David at Ziklag. They just want to take a little bit of your spoil. They just want to take a little bit away, but they're not looking to take any territory. But when you're talking about the enemy coming in like a flood, it doesn't just want to stop your expansion. It wants to, st- it wants to get in and invade and take territory and take It was there we find the setting of one of the most famous stories in the Bible, David and Goliath. This giant by the name of Goliath came out morning, noon, and night. And every single time he was yelling, shouting with his loud, booming, giant voice, issuing a challenge. And in the midst of this challenge, he was interrupting their time of worship and their time of sacrifice. You see, when the enemy comes in like a flood, it wants to separate you from your worship. It wants to separate you from your sacrifice. It wants to separate you from God. When the enemy comes in like a flood, it knows the only thing that you've got at your disposal and at your defense is the Spirit of the Lord God. And so when the enemy comes in, he wants to keep you out of church. When the enemy comes in, he wants to keep you out of prayer meeting. When the enemy comes in, he wants to keep you as far from the Bible as you can get. And when the enemy comes in, he wants to keep you out of potluck and out of fellowship. He wants to keep you, amen, when the enemy comes in like a flood, he wants to distract you. He wants to keep you on Facebook and on Instagram scrolling until you lose your ever-loving mind. Amen. Newsweek, amen, and, 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 and news media, he wants you to get all focused on everything else so we are distracted from God. Because he knows the only defense you and I have is the Spirit of the Lord. So he shouts this great booming thing, this great challenge to interrupt their time of worship. Listen, I have been saved long enough. I have encountered this myself, and I've been pastoring and preaching long enough to know that people that need the greatest breakthrough, when it comes time to worship and to sacrifice, the devil just seems to be in like a flood overwhelming them. Don't let your circumstances stop you from worshiping and sacrificing. If he can get you to stop worshiping and sacrificing, he's done his job. He's got you distracted. He's Well, I felt like preaching today. If he can get you off kilter, he can get you off your game. Hey, but I want to tell you, it's often at a time of sacrifice and at a time of worship, that's when the devil comes in like a flood. Listen, the devil doesn't leave you alone because you sacrifice and because you worship. In fact, he will show up, amen, when you sacrifice and when you worship. Amen. Brother Kevin read a verse earlier today. Amen. Talking about when they started worshiping God as he came in and crying. All of a sudden the enemy came in and said, hold up. Don't don't worship him. Don't don't praise him. Don't. Anytime the people of God go to worship and to sacrifice, the adversary comes in. And then I've got to get this through to somebody because they feel as if uh, that, that, that when the devil comes in, it's only a result uh, amen, of something they did wrong. I want to tell you, it's not always because you're disobedient. It's not always. You might want to check that and find out if, if that is the case. Uh, but if that's not the case, it's often because you're about to take territory. You're about to expand. 
And the devil knows if you take a little more territory, that means I lose another soul. If you teach another Bible study, that means I lose another person. Oh, somebody ought to shout and give God praise today. When the enemy comes in like a flood, he better see you serving God. When the enemy comes in like a flood, he ought to see you worshiping. When the enemy comes in like a flood, he ought to see you sacrificing. He ought to see the church praising. He ought Come on, don't let him catch you without your armor on. Don't let him catch you without your sacrifice on. Don't. He comes in to interrupt. He didn't show up. I'll wait until you're done sacrificing, and then I'll show up. Now, let me tell you, this is sometimes how you know you're on the right track. You're facing opposition. Some people think, man, I'm, I must be doing something wrong. It could be you're actually doing something right. Now, I already qualified. You'd better check and make sure you're not doing something wrong. I already qualified that. But more often than not, when people are walking in the Spirit, the Bible says they will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you are living for God and you are sacrificing and you are living a consecrated life, I just want to let you know the devil's going to fight those that he fears. He's going to fight those that he sees taking territory and expanding. Hallelujah. And he shouted with a loud voice. And he made this challenge. In essence, he said this. If you come down, send me a challenger. If that challenger beats me, then we will serve you. But if I beat the challenger, then you will serve us. Here we see a, 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 one of the oldest tactics of the enemy, a combination of fear and intimidation. Amen. Through this tactic, the devil and the enemy has caused many to quit by sheer intimidation of numbers and of strength. Amen. I've come to preach to somebody here today. Uh, simply by overwhelming the saint of God with a flood of attacks, with a flood of problems, uh, with a flood of sicknesses, with a flood of loss, with a flood of disappointment, uh, with a flood of tribulations, uh, with a flood of trials, uh, with a flood of discouragement. In this attack uh, where he overwhelms, uh, where he intimidates by sheer numbers, uh, he has caused many godly people to fall into a spirit uh, of retreat. Anybody ever felt that way? Hallelujah. I know I'm not the only one that there's been times. I, I can handle those small skirmishes. I expect that they come. But there's times where I am coming to another territory where I am looking to overcome. I am looking to overtake. I've seen it in the church where we're getting ready to go to another level, whether higher or deeper. And all of a sudden, whenever that happens, even the adversary comes in in sheer numbers and in sheer force. And he brings everything. He throws everything at us in the kitchen sink. Amen. He tries everything he knows to do. What's he doing? He's looking for a door. He's looking for a window. He's looking for a crack. He's looking for a crevice. He's looking for some way to come in. And ultimately, he's trying to get you and I to retreat. You start sacrificing and serving God and doing what God has called you to do. You start doing what we've been preaching around here recently and just making decisions and obeying God. And it doesn't, your life seems like it didn't get easier. It got harder. I'll tell you why it got harder. Because the devil knows you're taking territory. And territory equals souls. And the currency of the kingdom is souls. And when... When you and I are walking with God, it means more souls are about to start walking with God. You know what that means? The devil is about to lose another one. 
The devil's about to lose another family. The devil's about to... The devil's about to have a church split. Uh, he's about to lose people to the kingdom. He's about to run out of revival while the church runs into revival. So while you and I are pressing in for more, he wants us to retreat so he comes in like a flood. Overwhelming. I know there's people here today. I, feel, I think we ought to lift up our hands. There's people right now. You are overwhelmed you are, I'm telling you, I came to preach to somebody. You are overwhelmed by the attack of the enemy, and he wants you to back up. He wants you to retreat. He's coming in like a flood. Amen. He wants you to take the armor off, uh, throw up your white flag, uh, give up and give in. Uh, hallelujah. I come to preach to somebody. Uh, don't retreat. Uh, it's time to rally. Hallelujah. God gave a promise and a plan in his word in our text here today. When the enemy comes in like a flood, let me just help us here today. He will come in like a flood. It never says if he comes in like a flood. That devil's coming in like a flood. That adversary's coming in like a flood. He's he just trying to find the right moment to come in like a flood. Hallelujah. Amen. He's looking for the right opportunity. When the enemy comes in like a flood, uh, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So often we misinterpret what this means. We read it this way. When the enemy comes in like an overwhelming flood of problems and situations, God is going to step in and stop it all. Don't leave me up here by myself. I know that's what you think that verse means. That when the enemy comes in like an overwhelming flood, God's going to step in and all of a sudden my problems are going to disappear. My bills are going to be paid. Uh, God's going to bless me financially. God's going to immediately heal me. Uh, God's immediately going to do this and do that. Uh, we read it as if uh, God's always going to get us out of our trouble and God's always going to remove us from the trouble. Amen. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't come to preach this, but I might as well. Amen. I want to tell you, Daniel never prayed for the lions to go away. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego never prayed for the fire to stop being heated up seven times hotter. Amen. They got a revelation that though you put me in there, God's going to shut the mouths of the lions while I'm in. God's going to stop the fire from burning and the smoke from getting on my clothes, even though he never took me out of the trouble, although he never delivered me out of the problem. Come on, can I preach to somebody? God will remove the teeth from the lion that you're facing. God will remove the flame from the fire. Amen. And God may never take you out of the fire, but he'll help you survive it. But too often we want to get in there and we want to pray, God, we read this verse and we think, okay, God's going to give us a way of retreat. Hallelujah. God's going to give us an escape plan to get out of here. Hey, I want to tell you, God's not looking to help you retreat. God, God doesn't get glory from people that retreat. The Bible says if any man's soul draws back, I, my, 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 I will have no pleasure in them. We are not of those that draw back into perdition. I want to tell you, God is not desiring for you to go backwards in your walk with God. When, when you take territory, it's not the will of God for you to take territory and then to start marching your way backwards to worse than you were last year. The Bible says God has no pleasure in those that draw back. Uh, I want to help us here today what that means. Uh, God doesn't want you to gain in your prayer life, and because things get tough, you start praying less. 
God doesn't want you to go, amen, get a revelation of giving. And now that you're struggling, you lose that revelation of giving and you go backwards. Huh? Amen. God actually wants to help you go through it so you get a deeper understanding and a deeper revelation. God didn't want you to get a revelation of forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. He didn't want you to get the revelation of coming to the house of the Lord. Amen. That in a time of battle, when you need it the most, uh, you back up on your church attendance. Uh, that's not the will of God. God has no pleasure in those that draw back, uh, that go backwards. Uh, it Backsliding uh, is not the will of God. Uh, backsliding does not please God. And I come to help you. Backsliding doesn't always mean you left the church. Sometimes backsliding means you had a consecration and a conviction that God helped you obtain in a previous battle. It's not the will of God to lose it in the heat of an overwhelming flood of the adversary. Hallelujah. Somebody give God some praise. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell him don't retreat. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell him don't go back. Come on, don't retreat and don't go back. Turn to the other neighbor and tell them, don't retreat and don't go back. Come on, keep on preaching, keep on praying, keep on reading, keep on teaching somebody, keep on knocking those doors. Oh, I wish somebody give God some praise today. We often think the Spirit of the Lord comes in to just stop everything. God, and, and listen. That is all the way through your Bible. They're at the Red Sea, and they're like, okay, God, just stop the enemy. <laughs> no, 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 he didn't stop him right there. Amen. That's so often our prayer, God, stop it. Just stop it. And God's like, no, I'm trying to start you. I'm not trying to stop your enemy. I'm trying to start the church. I'm not trying to stop the devil. I'm trying to start the kingdom. It was persecution that led the church to spread. That was the will of God all the way back in Acts chapter 1. He said, you're going to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the earth. But they got so comfortable where they were, God had to raise up adversaries. And God had to raise up liars and deceivers and false teachers uh, so that they could be persecuted. He had to raise up a Saul of Tarsus, uh, amen, that went and persecuted the church. Sometimes God uses the adversary, amen, to help us to move forward. It's a great, uh, amen, it's a great motivator. Some people are not motivated, uh, amen, they, they're not motivated by God saying go sometimes they're motivated by the adversary chasing them down oh praise God now let me just say this you better believe that when the enemy comes in like a flood amen God's spirit is going to get involved he just don't get involved the way we want him to and he doesn't always get involved the way we think he should when, God, when the enemy comes in and overwhelms us, God's spirit is going to get involved. It's not going to stand, he's not going to stand idly by. Amen. In fact, even the very first verse in chapter 59 says, The arm of the Lord is not shortened. He's still able to save and reach. Hallelujah. His own arm, the Bible says, brought forth salvation. In fact, we read it earlier in our text. Uh, amen. That when he looked for somebody else to get involved and found none, he started putting on the armor and he got ready. God is not, God is not going to sit back while the adversary beats his children up. God is putting on his armor. Some people go, where's God at? I'll tell you what he's doing right now. He's getting his armor on, but he wants the people of God to be equipped as well. His spirit will move, but it moves for a specific reason and a specific purpose. The Bible says to raise up a standard against the enemy. What is a standard? Amen. The word is banner. 
It's what we would use in modern terms. It is a flag, but it's not just any flag. It's a flag of war. The Spirit of the Lord doesn't show up to stop the enemy. The Spirit of the Lord shows up to start the army. The Spirit of the Lord shows up to raise up a banner, to raise up a flag, to raise up a flag of war. I've come to preach to somebody about what the Spirit of the Lord is going to do for us today. This flag of war was lifted up in the heat of battle to remind the soldiers who and what they were fighting for. This standard was raised up. This image of the standard became a point that the weary soldiers could now rally behind. This was a sense of relief and encouragement that the reinforcements had finally arrived. I've come to give somebody encouragement today. This feeling immediately boosted the morale of the tired and outnumbered soldiers. Those that were about to quit and retreat saw this standard being raised, and it caused them to rally, not retreat. Those that felt as if they were alone suddenly realized we're not alone as we thought we were. Those that felt like they were doing it all by themselves uh, looked up and saw the standard of war and said, oh my goodness, we're not alone in this fight. We're not alone in this battle. The Spirit of the Lord. Those that thought they were losing realized the tide's about to turn. Those that thought they were losing realized we're about to win this, vic this victory. Hallelujah. Somebody lift up your hands all across this house. I'll tell you what the Spirit of the Lord is going to do here today. He's going to raise up a standard. He's going to raise up a rallying point. He's going to raise up, amen, this, this banner of war. The Bible says, and it's one of the, one of the, the, the Jehovahistic names of God, amen, that means the Lord is my banner. I just come to remind the church, when you're struggling, you need to know who you're struggling for. You're not struggling for the world. You're not struggling for your job. You're not struggling for other things. Amen. You're struggling because, amen, God is worthy to be praised, and you will not retreat. If you're fighting, you got to look up to the hills from whence cometh your help and realize uh, the Lord is my banner, the Lord is my standard, the Lord is my flag of war. Come on, you're not just fighting against the enemy. David recognized, I'm not fighting against a lion, I'm not fighting against a bear. My standard is the lamb. Can I preach to the church? You're not just fighting against devils. You're fighting for the Lamb. You're not just fighting against devils. You're fighting for God. You're not just praying against adversaries. You're, you're praying for God. Somebody ought to clap your hands and shout all across this building. In fact, stand to your feet. Give God some praise. My praise is not just to put Satan under my feet, but my praise is to bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Somebody clap your hands and give the standards some praise. Give the lamb some praise. Give the great God the praise. It's important to know what you're fighting for and who you're fighting for. There's people that have lost heart. I'll tell you why you've lost heart. Because you forgot what this battle's all about. You forgot what this battle's all about. 
This battle is more than the temporary. This battle's over the eternal. You know, when people start walking away from God because they forgot who they're fighting for, they start thinking it's too hard for me. You know what? You know what? You know what? Prodigals and backsliders all have in common? They are constantly considering themselves and nobody else. Nobody else. The prodigal son said, I want to go live riotous living. I want to do what's good for me. It's all about me. In the last days, it'll be lovers of their own selves. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They got the standard mixed up. They got the banner mixed up. The banner was me and my happiness. The banner was me and what I want. The banner was what makes me feel good. And they looked up towards the standard, and then they saw the enemy on the field and said, well, this battle's not worth fighting because it's not making me happy. It's not helping me. You got the wrong standard. I'll say it again. You got the wrong standard. But when we are lovers of God more than lovers of pleasure, when we're lovers of God more than lovers of ourselves, uh, we look up towards the Lord, our banner, and it doesn't matter the hell I go through, he's worth it. Doesn't matter how many prayers I got to pray, he's worth it. Doesn't matter what I got to do, he's worth it. Doesn't matter what I got to sacrifice, he's worth it. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. The Lord. Who's your banner today? Who's your standard today? Who's your flag today? Who do you pledge allegiance to? This is what it comes down to. As we said in, in, in school, we're taught the Pledge of Allegiance. I'll be honest with you, I don't pledge allegiance to the flag. I'm not trying to be anti-American. I love America. God bless it. Amen, but the whole song said, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Yeah. Amen, I, I'm not fighting for America. Yeah. Amen, because America can rise and fall. I love America. I'm not, don't, don't misinterpret me. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. But my, my kingdom is not of this world. Yeah. I'm not fighting for my house. Because my house will burn one day. Amen, in an eternal fire. It don't matter. I'm not fighting for a nicer car because that car is going to, break down eventually. I'm not, I'm not saying don't strive in life, don't try in life. What I'm saying is I, I'm not really fighting for those. That's not the flag. Uh, the American dream's not the flag I pledge allegiance to. I got my allegiance in heaven. I got my allegiance in a kingdom that's not of this world. I got my allegiance in a king that's above every king, in a lord that's above every lord. So pastor, what does this mean to me? When you see the enemy coming like a flood, amen, you need to let the Spirit of God rise up in you. Because how does God raise the standard? There was always a standard bearer in the armor, in the army. And they would go, and then they'd go before the battle, and they would, they would make sure that everybody was following the standard. And when that standard bearer got a little nervous, he started turning back. Hey man, God is raising up the church in Carson City to be a standard bearer. But I want to tell you, it's not the will of God for the standard bearers to go backwards. Because if the standard bearers go backwards, the rest of the army goes backwards as well. And so the Spirit of the Lord, equipped with all of the armor of God, 
shows up and that spirit begins to move upon the standard bearer that when they're in the midst of the war the one that's got his hands a little feeble he's weary and well doing he wants to bring his hands down the spirit of the Lord comes upon him and that standard goes from touching the ground to going high in the air what's happening the spirit of god moves every sunday every tuesday every wednesday every at-home prayer meeting i'll tell you why that when your hands are feeble the bible says lift up the feeble hand and god lifts up those hey man he's the lifter of my head he's lifting up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. You know, there's a challenge. When you're in the heat of the battle, amen, those that retreat and give up, you know what they're doing? They got their eyes on the battle. But when you got a standard that has been lifted up by the Spirit of the Lord, He lifts up your head and you see our redemption draw nigh. Hey, listen, the enemy's coming in like a flood all across the world. In every nation, in every state, in every city, amen, in every home, in every family, the enemy's just pulled off the sheep's clothing, and the wolf is let loose, and he's going around every single home. He's coming in with overwhelming numbers, amen, and I don't want to get so distracted. Even the Bible says in the last days, there'll be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places, nation rising against nation, and all these things things if we focus on the fight we'll get lost he said but when the standard bearers see this when those that are filled with my spirit see this he said lift up your eyes for your redemption draweth nigh David ran down the valley with a sling in the stone but most importantly He was running down the valley with the Spirit of the Lord. Can I put a plug out there for the Holy Ghost? Not only do you need the Holy Ghost to be saved, you you need the Holy Ghost to live godly in this present evil world. Brothers and sisters, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you need the Spirit of the Lord upon you to help you look up. David ran down with a sling and a stone. It wasn't the sling and it wasn't the stone. God could have used a pebble or a giant rock. Didn't matter. Amen. But he came down him with the Spirit of the Lord lifting up the standard. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear. I know what standard you're going by. You're going by some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. But David put it this way in the book of Psalms. We will trust in the name of the Lord our God. You come to me uh, fighting for this earth uh, and fighting for this world. Uh, He said, you come to me with sword and spears. You come to me with carnal weapons. Uh, You come to me to overwhelm me. Uh, You're bigger than I am. Uh, You're stronger than I am. Uh, But I've got a standard that's higher than you. Uh, I've got a rock uh, that's higher. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. I come to you in the name of my standard. I come to you in the name of the Lamb. I come I come to you. You come.
come to me with all these other things. You can come to me with trials. You can come to me with sickness. You can come to me. You can come to me with making me feel a little depressed. You can come to me with all sorts of mess. But I come to you with something that's greater, with something that's higher. I come with the name that's above every name. I come in the name of Jesus. Hey, that's what the Spirit of the Lord does. And it's about to move in this house. Gideon, the almighty man of valor, he's shaking in his boots. Because he's outnumbered and outgunned, the enemy's coming like a flood. But you better believe it. Amen. I ain't got time to preach about Gideon. But let me tell you, Gideon, he said, you take some you take some trumpets, you take some lamps and some lights. Amen. And you run down that hill. Amen. And you begin to proclaim the banner of the Lord. He said this when he came down the mountain. Every one of them broke the lamps and let the light shine. Amen. That's evangelism right there. You got to break the vessels and let the light shine. Amen. That's how we get conquering over our enemy. We get out of ourselves and start telling somebody else about Jesus. We get out. And he went down that hill and he began to cry out the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. God said, I'm looking for a man. And he starts putting on his armor. I'm looking for somebody else that my spirit can anoint, that I can use mightily to help win a victory for my people. Oh, not me, says Gideon. Maybe you can use the pastor. Oh, not me. Maybe you can use brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. And God says, no, 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 I'm calling on you. My spirit's moving on you. Gideon, you are not coming in your own power and in your own strength. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by his spirit. He raises up, says the spirit, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. That's what he's saying. The standard of the Lord. Moses, the people are complaining, saying we're about to die. All of, all of Egypt's coming in. And God says, Moses, stretch out your hand and he takes that rod that God empowered I want to tell you it wasn't about the stick and he stretches that out what was he doing he was raising the standard folks he was letting everybody know it's not by power it's not my might it's not all of a sudden God's going to block every enemy I'll tell you what God's going to do right now he's going to stretch forth a standard of people lifting up their hands and praising the Lord and as he did it the Bible says God began to part the waters Moses said this, stand still and see the salvation of our standard. See the salvation of the Lord. Joshua is at the, he's fighting battles. And Joshua says, Lord, we need a little more. We need something to continue helping us see in the midst of this battle. And I don't have the power by myself, but your spirit will give us a little more illumination. And he said, Lord, make the sun stand still. What is that saying? Lord, you need to do something where everybody can see the miraculous power of God. That when they want to turn tail and run, they see God still on our side. God's still working. And when they see that, they rally. They don't retreat. They
Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Come on. Somebody give him praise. I'm done preaching right here. You need to set your eyes on something higher than you. You need to see the God that's higher than you. Come on. In fact, I want to open up this altar. Would you come? And as the Spirit of the Lord begins to move, would you lift up your hands? Put on your armor. Get on your war weapons. Get on... Get on your sword. Get on your shield of faith. Get on your blessed plate of righteousness. And say, God, you're not fighting this battle by yourself. I'm not retreating. My family's not retreating. ARC's not retreating. We're rallying. Somebody give him praise. Come on, somebody give him praise. Get your eyes off your problems. Get your eyes off your trial. Get your eyes off yourself. Lift your eyes and realize, I've got a Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Come on, right now. They're going to sing in a minute. But would you lift up your voice and begin to praise? Would you lift up your voice and begin to pray? If you're discouraged, you need to see the standard being lifted up. If you're feeling a little weary, you need to let the Spirit of the Lord move on you to help lift up those weary hands. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. They were in a battle. And the Bible says as long as Moses had his hands up, Israel prevailed. Do you think that was about Moses? I'll tell you what was happening. Moses was lifting up the standard. It was so much so that people started recognizing when his hands were up, they were winning. And when his hands went down, they were losing. Let me tell you, you want to know how you're going to win this battle? You need to keep your, you need to keep your hands up. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I need 455 weeks of counseling. No, you don't. You need to learn how to keep your hands up. Is that too simple? Is that too simple? Let me tell you, anybody that's lived for God long enough at all knows. Amen. There's a whole lot of, it takes a whole lot of strength and a whole lot of effort to keep your hands up. It really does. It takes a whole lot of strength and a whole lot of effort to just keep coming to church, to just keep on praying, to just keep going to Bible study. It takes a whole, it, it, it takes a whole lot of work. But I want to tell you, when you keep your hands up, you keep winning. And here's the power that's going to hit this house right now. And we're going to pray it over you right now. When you lift up your hands. I'll tell you what, as the praises go up, the Spirit of the Lord is going to descend down. And where you felt like you were weak and you did not have strength, even the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. What's going to happen is in the areas where you've been weak, as you lift up that standard and begin to praise God, I'll tell you what's going to happen. God's going to start strengthening the areas of your weakness. The Bible says that, amen, that in our weakness, then is he strong. When you lift up your hands and begin to lift up the standard, praise the standard, raise the standard, give God glory, give God praise. I want to tell appraisers aren't defeated. Worshippers aren't defeated. We just keep on worshiping. We just keep on praying. All right, what we're going to do is we'll pray, and then they're going to sing. Lift up your hands all across this building. I want you to lift up your voice right now. I want you to pray about the areas where you're struggling and say, Lord, 
I exalt you in this area of my life. God, I exalt you in the area of my finances. I exalt you in the area of my health. Come on, what are you doing? I'm lifting up the standard. God, I'm giving you praise. And I am, I'm saying, Lord, the enemy's coming from all angles, but I'm going to get my eyes off the fight and off of the, off of the enemy, and I'm going to get my eyes upon the Lord. Jesus, how can I serve you better? Jesus, in this moment, come on, lift up your voice and begin to magnify the Lord as they begin to sing. Would you lift up your voice? The Spirit of the Lord is coming upon you right now. Samson, the Spirit of the Lord is falling on you. And where you are weak, you're going to break Against the enemy, he is defeated. Come on, lift up your hands. Lift the standard. Let the we spirit of move through you. The Lord on our side. I'm not going back. Satan, this I'm not retreating. It. I'm, I'm tired of taking it. Satan, we declare war. We declare war against the enemy. Come on, he we're is
defeated. <laughs>